0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I have on the show today a special guest, Jenny Allen, who is the co-founder and uh, president of the IF Gathering. The IF Gathering is a massive global and I do mean extra massive and extra global discipleship movement for women in the church. It is absolutely incredible what God has done with this ministry. I'm super excited to hear from Jenny Allen. And speaking of discipleship, I want you to check out a few new resources that we have produced at the Center for Faith, Sexuality and Gender. Go to centerforfaith.com, click on the store link, and you will see several new resources, including Grace Truth 2.0, uh, five additional studies on faith, sexuality, and gender. Grace Truth 1.0 is a, a five-week small group learning experience and Grace Truth 2.0 is fi- an additional five-week learning experience for those who want to learn about faith, sexuality, and gender. We also have another resource called A Pastor's Resource. A Pastor's Resource is a way for pastors to move from good ideas to implementation. I I talk to pastors all the time that say, look, okay, I get it. We need to be filled with grace and truth. We need to stick to the word of God and understand what the Bible says about marriage and sexuality, but we also need to open up our arms and love and care for LGBT people. And we're not doing that well. Okay. I, I get all that. How do we do that? How do we move from good ideas to implementation? So a pastor's resource is just that. Uh, It comes with a whole guide on how to preach on sexuality and gender. Uh, There's another guide, a large document uh, called the Pastor Leader's Guide that just helps you to walk through steps of implementation. It comes with several short, high quality testimonial videos. Uh, It comes with sample sermons that you can watch and several other things that can help you move from ideas to implementation. That's a pastor's resource. We also created a small group leaders kit for grace truth 1.0 and 2.0 uh so that if you're if you're a leader or want to be a leader of a small group study on grace truth 1.0 and 2.0 you can buy the small group leaders kit and it'll give you the leader everything you need to start that study all that you would need in addition to that Are books for the other members of the group. But other than that, it comes with all the DVDs, a a leadership guide on how to lead a small group study, and so it just makes it convenient for you to get started. So without further ado, let's talk with Jenny Allen. Friends, welcome to another episode of Theology of the Raw. I am here. I'm super excited about this interview because I have Jenny Allen on the line over way over in Texas. She is chiming in to Theology of the Raw. Now, if you don't know the name Jenny Allen, you will probably know the name The If Gathering. Jenny is the founder and i don't know what your official title is you can correct me in a second but the founder director ceo owner <laughs> president whatever she's she's the one that runs the if gathering and if you if 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 you don't know what the if gathering is then i encourage you to, to hit pause right now maybe google it and uh yeah you can be blown away because it, i mean this gathering has just to the surprise of jenny when we first talked i mean you were just blown away at how this thing just absolutely took off so thank you so much Jenny for being on the show and I, and I would if you could well just give a brief background to yourself and uh-huh. then I want to get quickly to just when the if, if gathering started to just explode and you're like oh my gosh what is God doing at this like I want to linger in that space for a while so but yeah give a background of who you are and and we'll sure we'll get there.
1: so yeah I grew up loving God um uh, but I wouldn't say I was saved till I was about 17 years old where I understood truly like my need for a Savior and and pretty much fell in love with God fast. I mean, it was pretty dramatic at 17, and I remember coming home and trying to teach my Bible to a bunch of younger girls, and I actually chose as a new believer the book of Revelations because why not? Every <laughs> person should brave that book right away. <laughs> and, yeah. and so discipleship and like investing in women was clear, clearly my gift and passion starting in the very beginning and always did that, always taught my Bible to a living room full of women, young and old, all the years of my young marriage, young childbearing years, and then um, had the opportunity to go to seminary. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary with my husband when he was preparing for the pastorate. We started a church Uh, and then I taught a Bible study. I remember um, my first one that I kind of opened up and didn't just invitation only. And there was 150 women that showed up and, and I did, it was called oh. stuck. It's actually one that's published now and just saw people being saved. And through that, and through my next study chase that I taught through our local church and, and I was discipling 12 new believers. And so I think it began just to take a life of its own after that, just, you know, t- sending those studies to other churches and publishing or the picture at that point. And And, and then, yeah, and then if gathering kind of grew up beside that, um, the passion of my soul is to see this entire generation disciple that we would reclaim discipleship as the means, God's means, um, to save the world. I mean, that's how he, um, called us to live. That's what he called us to do. That's how his kingdom would go forward. So, um, I, I was blessed to be discipled through Campus Crusade for Christ in college. That was kind of the first time I saw, um, something in a more official role in my life. Really, really changed the way um, I was living, and and so I just mm-hmm. I just so believe in it and want to help women along in that. So the, the the vision of If Gathering is disciple generation. It's it's been the vision and hope since the beginning, and, and it's happening. You know, so discipleship starts largely with gathering, and so mm-hmm. the power of the gathering part is that we've gathered a lot of people and moving them in deeper into that equipping. And to the unleashing part of that is really what we spend our time in this office thinking about and building okay. and working on is how So we,
0: what? What? Yeah. What was it though? That the very very beginning of the like what did it, what did you the very first picture of what it could be? What was it? Was it just an <laughs> outgrowth of your the Bible study you're doing at church, or was it this kind of big multimedia thing? Or oh
1: no, I mean we started so haphazardly. We I just knew that women were craving something real something deep something honest um and so when we pulled started pulling women together we actually did it behind the scenes in smaller formats um prior to the first big if and and I think we saw a need for it I I I knew the biggest goal was that we would do life-on-life relationships it wouldn't be stadiums all over the world it would be living rooms and homes and local churches. We are such fans of the local church. And so we really wanted whatever we did to be something that the local church and that, that leaders within the local church could use to bring their friends and neighbors together. Um, we were looking at a generation that that was very turned off and in, in, in large part leaving the church. And so we didn't want to just um, give the next big conference to attend in the stadium and they go home and they never connect with their local church. We wanted to build a world where they actually met people in their communities. And I mean, this has happened. It's so cool, the story. That was, I was actually at dinner with some IF local leaders in um, Northern California. And they st- one, of the, the, one of the waitresses came over to the leaders in the room and said, my name's so-and-so and I want you to know I was in the back of, of the local IF that, that you hosted. And I had just gotten out of prison and a friend brought me. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know that at that point, I reded, dedicated my life to Jesus, and I've been attending that church. And that's what the dream was, was that yeah. that they wouldn't come to a stadium to hear great speakers, but that they would meet. It was cool because I was sitting there, the leader of IF, and they had come up to the IF local leader. They didn't come up to the speaker. They came up. <laughs> and I, and I, I just everything about that was my heart. It was like, this yeah. isn't about, you know, we have awesome, fantastic speakers, but it never was about that for me. It was, we want to equip you. You're the heroes in the trenches, building, building. Um, your local disciples and in your local churches, and, and we want to support you and build tools for you to do that well. So it's just cool how that wow. has happened.
0: For for somebody who doesn't have a clue what we're even talking about. What what is the if, if gathering? Sure. So
1: um, we build tools and experiences for women to make disciples through the local church. So that's that's the tagline. Um, and one of those tools that the one that most people know of is once a year we have a gathering. It has been in Austin this year. It'll be in Dallas, of a few thousand, but it reaches hundreds of thousands. So our safe estimate of last year's gathering was seven hundred thousand people attended. Seven hundred. Um, but that's like that's probably <laughs> slim because it's two hundred fifty thousand streams, and we have events that are up to thousand a piece. So it's likely over a million, but but we don't know. We just know that it's a lot of people, and that's cool. You know, like as someone that follows Jesus and doesn't want to get caught up in numbers. It's yeah. kind of cool that we don't know. We just know it's a whole lot of people, and yeah. and we know that um, it's it's so cool because it goes across denominations. Um, every I mean, we have diocese Catholic, you know, dioceses leading it. We have um, conservative. Wow churches. We have, you know, because we really try to stick to the main things. We keep things simple and pure. That's kind of our grid. And it's not that we won't attack needed issues relevant to the gospel. I mean, one that we've attacked every year is racism. And what does it look like to build Mm -hmm. um, unity and to actually build, you know, uh, one of my dearest friends, Latasha Morrison has been part of it since year two. And she launched her ministry, Be the Bridge, out of that, which is racial reconciliation circles. And Mm -hmm. that's spreading through the church right now. So Um, it's just, you know, it's not that we won't tackle the big, hard stuff. It's that, um, for the most part, we keep things pretty simple and pure, unless we feel like there's something that we're really specifically called to deal with our dress.
0: How many countries are represented? Do you know?
1: Um, we've reached, typically we reach over 120, which I think there's only like 150. So that's kind of (laughs) crazy. Um, and then, you know, but, but we'll have actual local leaders on the ground and probably, you know, 50 to 60 of those.
0: so they so you have this big, I mean, for lack of better terms, it's a it's a big conference like like maybe like other conferences the way it's done, but then it's simulcasted out, and you have, but more than just simulcast, like hey, attend a conference in your living room, but it's actually intentionally targeting people in their local churches to to come, be inspired, to gather, and then now go in your own communities and do this. Right? Is that is that kind of the the. Absolutely. The, the, yeah, the, the, we see
1: ourselves as a gathering tool. So when somebody plugs it in, they can, you know, we've got a map on our website that we're sending out to tens of thousands of people. So what ends up happening is strangers come together in, in local churches or in homes and it's kind of creepy. haven't <laughs> It's just amazing. Like people just don't know each other and then they come together and they end up spending a day and a half together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's been amazing to see the women that never saw themselves as leaders post and all of a sudden it grows and grows and they're leading a massive event in their community and get asked to be the women's ministry leader. I mean, that story has happened. I've heard it over and over again that they are all of a sudden, they never saw themselves as a leader. And now they're they're hired by their church because they're just making disciples and they're doing a great job at it. And the pastor or the elders notice. And so we've seen we've seen it. My heart was always, if this is not a compliment and a blessing to the local church, then we're not going to do it. My husband was a church planter. Like we are local church yeah. people. So if I ever felt like it got in the way of the local church or hurt the local church, we would shut it down tomorrow. And I mean that, yeah. Um. but we have seen the office. Op- we've seen that prayer answer yeah. that it has. been
0: that, That's kind of unique. Cause I'm, I, I don't, and I definitely not going to name any names. I don't, I don't even have any names in my mind or whatever, but th- there, there can be this, conference parachurch like experience that is also somewhat critical or, or almost like, yeah, we can do it better than the church kind of thing, you know? And I've, I've experienced that on various levels and, and I, it's pretty rare to hear somebody that has a parachurch kind of thing that is doing discipleship, which is what the church should be doing, but you are doing it not, not just alongside or like, yeah, you should go to church too, but like, yeah. To hear you say, like, if, if this isn't actually helping the church, yeah. then uh, then we'll close it down like that. To me, in my experience, that's pretty unique.
1: Well, and you've got to think how many thousands of churches are in places where they're never going to get a big conference come to their town. They're never going to get, right. um, you know, speakers. And for some of the, you know, so I think what we get to do is we get to be this catalytic tool that brings women together in their churches um, in a way that maybe they couldn't afford to to bring in. People, But then hopefully what they'll do and what we encourage them to do is, you know what, we go away, we fade into the distance and they take our tools or have their own tools and, um, yeah. and make disciples all year. That's, that's the goal.
0: Okay. How, how do you, wh- uh, when did you start the first IF, if gathering? How, how long are we talking here? Like eight, 10 years? Or? No,
1: no. So this is going to be our sixth year. So we've just been six, just, just over five
0: So how how many people were at the first one? Not physically, but like how many people? Well, the first
1: year we sold out pretty quickly and then it was about 40,000 streams that year, which blew our minds. We couldn't believe that. Um, and so it's been crazy to see it grow every year and we keep thinking like we'll, we'll peak or whatever. And then God keeps, you know, causing it to grow. So I'm still, and I don't care. Like we, we almost shut it down this year just because we didn't have finances. We've kind of had a funny model with finances. We just said, pay what you can. and Yeah. You can imagine that's been trust at every corner. Um, But we didn't have any big donors. We've never had any big donors. And so or very few. And so it's just been this faith journey, even in that. And, and so Hmm. it got to a place this year that it was like, well, you can give severance if you, if you start paying it soon and to your staff and, close the doors. And and I was like, great. Okay. Like God, we're done. We, you know, we did our job. We we raised up a lot of female leaders around the world. Okay. Check we're out. And, and not that I don't love it and believe in it. It's just, I hold it very loosely. (laughs) We want to serve our purpose and then we want to go away. And
0: so, yeah. So you, you don't charge, you don't charge anything. It's all give what you can. And am I hearing you say that that hasn't
1: Oh, covered it's your costs cost every year exactly, and in this past year, it didn't. But I think it was also time for okay. a shift. We do charge now, just very minimal for tickets, but it helps us um, make better plans so we know when that yeah. money's going to come in. But I think it caused what it did was it caused us to have to relook at finances and handle things differently because yeah. that was a great way to start, but it's not a great way to sustain a ministry. And so. You know, we, we yeah. this year specifically, we are going to charge for the first time.
0: Okay. And,
1: but yeah, every year God did provide, and, and that was why I couldn't let go of it. But I think finally, you know, we were hearing from everyone, Hey, it's actually more complicated this way for our people. They don't know what to pay. You know, like some people are just like, yeah. just tell us that we're going to keep it a super low, low. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very doable for anyone. So yeah.
0: like what, what was, what's the cost to, for so if somebody... and you're going to come
1: to Dallas in the room, it's 150, yeah. but if you're going to attend anywhere else, it's $15. So, and oh. it honestly, that $15 is is some churches forgo that price. Like they just pay us and skip the paying other people. So there, there's going to be plenty of events that are free to attend if you can't afford that. So, um, okay. yeah, we're trying to just make it a, a non issue.
0: Uh, you know, I really battle with that. I talked with, um, I don't know if you know the guys at the Bible Project, Tim Mackey and John Collins. You know those guys? Yeah. They do the Bible videos. Yeah. Oh, and they, they have a. Yeah. What,
1: how do they do this? Cr- I, I use their stuff all the time for free.
0: So from the very beginning it was uh I had Tim Mackie on the podcast and he said it was John's passion that we will not we will do this for free and we will raise support. Now um I, they've done a great job. They've they have a ton of a ton of money. <laughs> they have got a ton of people that want to invest into this so they haven't had any problem financially. It's all come in. Yeah, think- but it's that's different. It's not really pay it's not like it's like side by side. They release the videos, they produce them. And then when more money comes in until they get the, you know, 10, 20 grand it takes to produce another video, then they'll do another one. But that started to snowball because the quality's so off the chart. and Everybody's right. blessed by and it. Videos are and we so yeah. so we give a
1: lot of things away for free. Uh, we have if equip, which releases almost every day, weekday. And this is a discipleship tool that we give away on the app and online uh, okay. for free. We give away yeah. all, of, almost everything. So it was, it was kind of just time to organize our systems and yeah. cause, you know, some things to be paid for, but you know, God's provided and he'll keep doing yeah. it. And
0: you know. I, I, I do battle with that because on the one set, on the one hand, I, I so admire that. So admire the faith. I think we need a lot more generosity in American evangelicalism. And there's, there's so many things I love about it. But then on the flip side, I'm like, but I don't, You know, I don't criticize my Christian doctor for charging me to, you know, perform surgery on me or my dentist to pull out my teeth. I don't say, hey, you know, can you give us, you know? And like, I don't, if you produce whatever it is Mm -hmm. and your husband, I mean, Zach Zach and I have talked about this. I mean, the the, the kind of holistic vision of Christianity, like it's not like Christian ministry and everything else. It's like, no, everything should be done for the glory of God and the kingdom. And and so I don't, um, I would get really nervous about, a Christian ministry like overcharging, or right. where it gets that sleazy feel um, of, and that's what we it were kind of feels, yeah. Like, yeah. And you, I mean, you guys are obviously yeah. in the exact opposite direction, <laughs> right. but, but, um, but, but I, I don't know, like, that's like, like
1: my, I, I mean, people have judged that in Christ. Yeah. we just, you know, I think about Paul, and he's like, I mean, by whatever means necessary. And for us at that time, it was like, let's just strip down everything. Like, what's preventing yeah. people from connecting with God? And let's just strip it all away. Um, and you know, I think about when Paul was like, Hey, I mean, I could charge you, but I'm not going to, to preach the gospel because I just don't want it to be a distraction. And that's kind of how we wanted to start. And I don't think it was a good move. I mean, it worked, it spread fast and we're going to keep that, um, in the sense of that morning, if you want to turn it on, you're going to be able to find it. We want accessibility. We don't want to limit that. We want it to go out to those 125 countries and we don't want them to have to pay $15. So there will be a continued accessibility to what we do. And that's, you know, as long as we can pay the bills, we're a nonprofit. So there's nobody getting rich yeah. off of it, which is nice. I mean, right. there's nobody that owns it. You know, there's no owner. Um, I'm a founder right, visionary, right. but we have a board that runs it, helps run it. And, um, a right. staff team. But, there, you know, it's just, it's interesting. I, 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 yeah, I'm torn on that a lot as to... But
0: I, I, I do feel like, I mean, 15 life. bucks, that people yeah. spend... I mean, that's a bottle of wine. Yeah. That's not even a date at the movies. That's uh, <laughs> well, yeah. two buckets of popcorn. It's like a couple lattes. Well, <laughs> it's like hopefully, what for... it says to people is, "Hey, they're
1: not trying to get rich. <laughs> they're trying to pay the bills." Totally. That's totally what's happening. I mean, we just
0: yeah. we just don't
1: want to be in the red again, where we are, you know. Having the-
0: yeah, I just I, I want people that I want Christians to feel the freedom to to charge money and be able to make a living off of a good solid product that is helping discipleship. Cause I mean, let's face it, Christians in the church, they're going to spend money on all kinds of stuff. I mean, what, yeah. just, just whatever you look at the latest carpet or f- series of flat screens in a youth group. Like oh, we, the church, a Christian church, evangelical church spends a ton of money on all kinds of stuff that doesn't really contribute. One could argue towards discipleship. And yet you're doing something that is by definition, discipleship. I don't, I admire, I admire the faith journey you were on before, but I'm like, we're going to charge, we're going to charge 20, 30 bucks even like, well, no, I mean, I I don't know. He's
1: been in an uproar. Everybody understands. I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't that, that we were having a mass crying. Don't charge. It was just, yeah. um, I think people are gracious and they understand that things cost money.
0: Totally. It it also, I'm sure it could look funny too. Like you weren't charging anything and now you are like, what does that mean? Could people, could some, you know, 0.01% of the, people out there you know say mm, why are they doing that or see yeah, they we'll really are yeah. we'll
1: say we almost shut down because we didn't have enough money
0: right <laughs> yeah. totally i mean it totally. kind of came
1: at the right time because yeah. while god was meeting our needs through all of these generous people all these years um 15 at a time 25 at a time i just couldn't bring myself to do it but when it got to the place where it's like we might have to shut down i was like okay okay yeah. now now i'm willing let's revisit because yeah. we don't want to <laughs> shut down
0: so, so if, if someone's listening out there, I have a couple questions and they're like, well, gosh, this sounds awesome. I've heard about it, but I mean, is it even, I don't even know. Does my church do it? Is it in my city? Like, how would they actually find out, Yeah, you know, do do church, local churches, are they b- good at advertising it? Or should they go to the IF website and then find, oh, okay, my church doesn't do this, but several others are? Or is it even that, could they even just talk to their friend and maybe their friend's hosting a gathering or something? So or...
1: If gathering.com is where you can choose. You can host in your home. You can become an if-local leader. There's not much to that. You have to belong to a ch- local church um, and be in submission to that church. And then, two, you have to want to, you know, initiate for the good of others in your community. That's our two big, only two, th- two qualifications. And, and so we have, you know, over, I think there's over oh, 12,000 if-local leaders. And then there's over there's over 2500 events um, and so last year there were so we'll have the sign up for this gathering that's coming in February so February um, second week of February every year is when we gather and then you can also you can host live with our event and watch it live from your home or church or a lot of people will get the digital download and watch it in the weeks following um, as okay. well so there's yeah. two ways to host and yeah. and it's it's yeah, it's super special. I mean, it's so fun to know that all over the world, literally the world, at the same time that yeah. we're there, um, there's women gathered. And so I think it's special to do it live, but for bigger yeah. gatherings, sometimes it's nice to do it after the fact. But all of that so, information so, is at ifgathering.com. Yeah.
0: Your website's incredible, by the way, too. I was looking at that. i <laughs> like I was I was like a little four year old, like all oh, these multimedia stuff's going on. Like this is oh, this is incredible. Thanks. Um So, uh, okay. So they can just go to the website and find out there's something going on there. So there's several things, there's stuff going on throughout the year. This is not just one big gathering. And then is it kind of like Q Commons?
1: Yeah. So we are, we are putting out local events all throughout the year because of local leaders gathering it, but it is, we do not have a plethora of different conferences the way that Q Commons has. We have one big one and then people distribute that throughout the year. And so oh, okay. we have a map though um, to attend in February and it's got, we'll, we'll have it doesn't yet because we're just opening registration in a few weeks but it will have a map and you can see if there's one in your city. I think in Dallas, there's like 60 or something crazy. So I think in most cities we're represented, there's an IF gathering you can attend um, within yeah. you know a few weeks after registration, those will show up.
0: I got to check it out and see if you're in Boise. I'm sure you're oh, yeah. in Boise, we right? It's
1: Boise, yeah, we do. <laughs> In Idaho, we've got lots of. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, really, it's amazing. Like we, I, I travel, and I just can't believe it. How many people feel like they're a part of this yeah. community? I mean, it's their ministry too. That's what I love about it. Is when, yeah. whenever I meet a stranger, you know, I'm in Idaho, i will be like, "Well, we are doing this, and we are doing that," and they've owned it. It's not uh, just like your ministry. It's like this is theirs and they are, they feel in some no. ways as much ownership as I do because they're risking for it. They're building it in their community. Beautiful.
0: So you, you said you travel, do you travel around to meet with local leaders or what, what, what forces you or enables you to travel? So I speak, I speak. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sure. So I'll go on tour, um, uh, two weekends in the fall and two weekends in the spring. I go with Christy okay. Knuckles and we,
0: All right. we okay. Lead okay. nights oh,
1: yeah. of worship and
0: yeah. I forgot um, to mention your books. Hey, for my audience, uh Nothing to Prove, uh Restless and Anything. Those are your th- do you have a fourth book or are those yeah, the three? Three, and then Bible studies.
1: That's really what I love the right. most that got me into this. And so, so if you
0: go to yeah, Jenny dot com, she's got a link on her books and then a bunch of different Bible studies and stuff. So be sure to check that out. I mean I I yeah, um I think Even though, I mean, from my vantage point, there is a lot of, there's a, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of noise on maybe discipleship or small group, this small group, that, but your stuff is, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the air, but it's high quality. Thank you. No, there's just, there's a, every, every every other person I meet today is a writer and they've done this, that, and they're doing this Bible study, whatever, and podcasts. And it's like, and I don't, I'm not, maybe, maybe I'm. Total, you know, <laughs> nothing but crap either. I'm, I'm not saying like I haven't got, got it figured out either, but yeah, your stuff is really thoughtful. I mean, well, you, have a, I you do have a seminary that. degree, you've been doing this. So, my hope um, is that,
1: you know, when I was in seminary, I just felt like this is not for the special Christians. Like, this is, you know, I look at Stuck, which is my first study, and it's really Sanctification 101. It's, it's how do we mm-hmm. believe God for change, you know? And so, I hope mm-hmm. that it, it is. I've been so blessed to be given such great theological. Cool. Understanding, I hope that, and biblical understanding, I hope that I get to give that away yeah. in a fair way that helps what was it? the cause of the gospel.
0: Okay, so what was it like being a woman at DTS, at Dallas Seminary? Was that, was that, well, all yeah, good, it was 20
1: years enough? ago, so it's different than oh. today.
0: But they'd let you in. They That's did it. let me in. My, my seminary, I went to Master Seminary, women weren't allowed to, there still aren't, I don't think. Yeah, they, they're not allowed to attend. They can't, Well You can't go.
1: Yeah, no, I I loved it. I mean, I had amazing professors. I never,
0: yeah.
1: um, I've, I've never felt I've I've been blessed to to feel the support of men in my life and in yeah. my ministry. I really have an incredible husband. That um, he's yeah. the one that told me to go to seminary. He's the one that pushes me out the door when I'm speaking.
0: Around. The Did house. you ever feel cond- like the condescending or like the subtle kind of like, well, you're just a woman. <laughs> in, a, in a man's kind of oh, sphere. Yeah. have you felt that no, every woman's yeah. felt that but i am <laughs> someone
1: who kind of plays dumb and ignores it and assumes the best because i i really again i've been blessed i feel like i've i've had i had seminary professors who i still to this day are um some of my biggest fans and supports with it hmm. gathering in fact um several of them are on if Equip videos if you go there because they just believe in in women and they want to wow. see theology given and unique ways to to humans but but even especially to women and so I, I don't know I, I feel like I've yeah I picked up on that some but I also just I'm such a believer in like keeping your head down and, and there's enough work like I don't have to go fight for right somewhere because gosh I'd be that would just take energy from the you know sure. thousands of women God's called me to do steward and disciple so um you know I just I kind of just keep my head down and 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 I think you know and I just I don't know. I just believe the best. And, and then I think that so many men really do want to see the gospel go forth and, and they really respect women. And, and sometimes this division that comes up in the church and, and with men and women, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a conversation. I, sometimes I'm watching it, and I feel like it's very fear based on both sides, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, now who are you talking to? Um, You know, are you talking to the women in your church that are trying to serve or are you talking to the Internet? You know, I I think sometimes it's um, it's like, well, if you talk to the women in your church, like most of them really want to just see the gospel go out. They want to see people left well. They really aren't, you know, in this demanding posture, I think. And and I've often I just on the women's issues, I just leave that up to local churches. I just think forever for all time to come and for all time that has been. Local churches have had to wrestle. Elders have had to wrestle with those verses and they people got to yeah. land on it for themselves. And then when you're, when you choose your local church, ask those hard questions, but once you choose, like support that church and play your role yeah. and do your part. And, and I've found when I do that, um, a lot of favor and, and there's yeah. not, um, I don't know. I just, I've, I've been blessed to, you- to find it easy to um, minister in the context of, you know, yeah. churches that are largely conservative. And-
0: do you have a view on that? Have you worked through that? I mean, obviously you have, but do you want to talk about it?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. On, on women and, women yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody's terminology is defined differently. So yeah. I don't like the terminology, but I will say I yeah. very much appreciate the word submission. I think it's probably um, for me, it has, it has always meant protection. I have felt protected by my husband. I have felt protected by our huh. elders. Um, that has never represented hostility or um, Mm -hmm. abuse or hemming you in It has represented support and pushing out. And so I have not um, struggled Mm -hmm. with that word. However, I do believe that that word, rightly so, has been absolutely wielded against women in unhealthy, abusive ways. And I think that's where the church has got, you know, that's where the fear-based conversation is coming from. And it's from a very real place. So while sure. I have not yeah. felt that a lot and I've chosen to kind of forgive and look the other way when I have felt it, I have heard stories that are mm-hmm. insanely wrong and abusive yeah. on church's parts, on husband's parts, whatever. So I say that with open hands and then complete, you know, transparency that, that for me, it has gone well for me, but for many, many women, it has mm-hmm. not gone well. And you look at the Me yeah. movement and you look at the church Two movement and what that is, is this mm-hmm. recognition of how, unhealthy, um, some things have gotten. Now, that does not yeah. mean that all men are like that. And I think that's where um, I feel like it's important for women just to, to always kind of say, like, hey, we're talking about people that have abused something. And that is not yeah. speaking to mankind. You know, we're talking to um, totally. to those that have abused something. And so um, in the healthy churches I have been in, for the most part, and, and under the leadership of my husband, for most of the years we've been married, that has gone well for me but i i yeah. say that kindly and softly because i know for so many women um they are they hear that word and it represents um just incredible wounding and possibly abuse mm-hmm. physically emotionally that,
0: that's a great distinction to to understand the the word in its new testament first century context submission which we're all called to on some on several levels it is a beautiful gospel thing and yet when read through the lens of an abuse of that concept, we need to be very understanding and empathetic of people that have gone through, not somebody living out what the Bible is trying to say with that word, but how people have totally abused that, which, yeah, the, the Me Too movement in the last, even the last year or two years in evangelicals has been weird, hasn't it? I mean, golly, I, I'm glad that some of these power structures are being exposed Injustice being exposed is always a good thing, and yet it's also very, it's also very troubling and discouraging too. It's like every time a new story comes out, like really, like that person and that movement, and oh man, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, are you you hope? So I mean, you went to seminary twenty years ago. Have you seen things change quite a bit, or do you feel like man, we still have a long way to go, or do you feel like man, we've turned a huge corner and? things are looking good for a woman's place in evangelicalism?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's both, you know, I, I think I am able to do more than any other generation of women have ever done. I'm watching women do more all across the world for the gospel in ways that no other generation has seen or done. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've actually feel like the greatest contribution we've given to the church is a, is a newly revitalized, mobilized army of, humble, godly women that are saying, I want to make disciples through the local church. I think we've given women a great love and affection for their local churches and they they want to help build them. They're wanting to be part of the change and the um, yeah. help in the community. So I, I feel so much hope. I mean, when I travel, it's like yeah. when I'm looking eye to eye and hearing the stories, I am I mean, it's not matching what I hear on the internet. However, um, I think we can't be afraid of the digging up of the unhelp. I always say that that is yeah. the grace of god to you know i tell you this to my kids even like if you're caught if you if something is broken and it's it's noticed like that is grace and and so we've got to recognize the grace right now that's happening and not turn a blind eye to the abuse not turn a blind eye to the um to the hurt you know and, and, and dig our heels in and say oh you're, you're being a victim i mean come on like everybody's you know Finally, feeling brave enough to say something because they're not alone. Like that's what Me Too is. Right. They just they don't feel so. They feel the protection of the group, right? And so, right. what a time to listen. And I think you know if I, if, if I were a pastor um, right now, I think the the one thing you know for women that that pastors can do is is to really listen and to have those people in your life rather than to say, okay, here's my stance, and I'm going to have a stance on everything, and I'm going to you know hold my ground. It's like well yes, on on biblical truths, we absolutely should. But how those biblical truths are reaching and loving and meeting people where they are, we've got to be like Paul and say, you know, that all become all things to all people so that some might be saved. Like, I think that's where the posture has got to be more open-handed and saying, okay, what do I not know? What do I not understand about the situation? And I have seen that in my own life with race. Um, I've gotten to be a part of racial reconciliation groups and I've gotten to pull up a chair and listen and hear the stories, and not form an opinion on a news story in my isolated, yeah. white, privileged mind right. with limited experiences, I get to actually pull up to a table with women from diverse backgrounds, diverse, um, coming from diverse experiences, and I get to hear what it was like to to grow up with, um, you know, actually very real, like when you hear the stories, um, racist, things happening to them. And, and, and I hear those stories and I listen differently than to the news. And I think that's why listening has got to be a posture for all of us as believers right now. It's just understanding. Yeah. And when, when you have friends that have been hurt um, by anything, it changes your view on issues. You know, I, my big thing is like, just don't have issues. Like just just have people, <laughs> have people that you love and that you know, and and if the issues come up and you're forced to speak about them, make sure you're speaking on it with the people that the issue actually um, has affected.
0: It just makes it such a big difference when you're cro- when you're talking to somebody on the other side of the political divide, the social divide, the ethnic divide, the, the even religious divide, and when you when you get to know that person as a person, it just. It changes the entire tone of the conversation. It just changes everything. And I was just, I, you know, it's funny. I just had a Derwin Gray. Do you know Derwin? He's a, a lead pastor of a transformation church. It's like the largest multi-ethnic church in America, or one of them. And yeah, we, anyway, I just, we literally just got off and I got on the, got on the air with you and, and uh, we just had a long, long conversation about race. So he, he's he's black. A black pastor. He's married to a white woman. Played in the NFL for a number of years. He's exper- he's experienced racism from other from the black community because he's married to a white woman. Obviously not exclusive, but he's he's felt that he's experienced racism on the other side of you know uh, in laws or whatever that once didn't accept him because he's black and so all these different directions and and, and it, it, where I'm going with this is he told me some amazing stories about when he actually got to know the person. Who is a blatant racist, and then that person got to know him and realized he's a godly man. He's got a doctorate, like a master's and a doctorate. He's not, you know, and all of a sudden now that person, that former racist, is now his biggest advocate. And and that that I just that's the to me that's just such heavenly beauty when you see. I know the term racial or ethnic recon, reconciliation is thrown around. A lot these days, but when you see that happen, that that is just I don't know for me just an incredibly be- beautiful moment in in humanity. Really, when you see that happen, it yeah.
1: is, and that's our hope is that you know it's funny when you watch if gathering, you'll see across the front, right in front of the stage, all these tables and and people mm-hmm. face inward, actually not up yeah. to the stage, and and it's cool. It's it's meant to be symbolic that this is ultimately our hope is that relationships are formed and that um, and we believe that. That is how lives are changed. We don't think it is over the internet. Now, it's so funny because we're an internet ministry, but you know, my ta- my talk the last few years has been reminding everyone like we actually don't think the life change is in the hundreds of thousands. We think that life change is in the living room. Yeah. it's in, it's in the relationships that are made over a table. Um, we have something called yeah. if table, where you invite. Um, there's six. Women at a table, and we give conversation cards for that. It's one of our most popular tools, and I think it's because it is—it's speaking the language of this generation. I think everybody sees a need for it, and they want—they want to see change, and they don't know how to make that happen over Twitter, but they do see it happen over tables and over meals. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm such a believer that's in that—that so that that's how Jesus ministered to people constantly. It was—it mm-hmm. uh, often involved food, <laughs> sure, right. And and so I think that's you know, I think it's, it's what we're craving. We're all craving this. Yeah.
0: I see. I mean, I I would describe if as like using the internet, but not an internet ministry. Like you're using the best of the internet to to get into lives of embodied communities. You know, that's obviously your focus. What what do you, one more question and I'll let you go. What, what do you see are some of the greatest needs specifically among women as you'd engage in this discipleship ministry? Are there certain themes that keep coming up? And I'll just throw one out just in my very limited anecdotal experience. I just still hear a lot of just loneliness and disconnected and just that relational kind of void. You know, maybe the, a woman's been married 10, 15, 20 years, and they realize her husband can't fulfill all my relational needs. And, and yeah, I go to church and I smile and have conversations. But does anybody really know the deep down stuff that's going on? And and I, I it's sad that I hear that more often than I would want to. So anyway, that's, been my, that's just anecdotal on my part. But yeah, what, what are some co- constant themes you see, you see coming up, needs that you're trying to meet among women in, in, in yeah. Christianity? I think, what,
1: I think that's a, one that you're observant to notice. I do believe that that is, that is true. I think it's a symptom of the pressures that we all feel. I think that there's most women, when you sit down and talk to them, they feel like they're losing. They're not winning. They feel mm-hmm. like they're losing on many fronts that matter to them. And so then it feels, it feels like how do I keep all this up rather than how do I enjoy and savor and enjoy the life that God's given me and make the most of it. Um, And so then it becomes pressure even to talk about the most important things, you know, and and it's just laying on top of this already feeling like I'm not enough. I'm not measuring up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's real. I think the pressure of whether it's coming from social media or, Um, just the fact that many women work now and are also raising families, or even if you're single, um, the expectations, the church puts on you, the expectations that friends put on you, um, I've heard the same frustrations and struggles from single women. So I don't think this is simply an issue of like, if you have five big categories of your life, I think, I think it's just this rat race of life and the way it lives in a very globally connected world where, um, there's not a limit to our community. Like when you watch old shows like um, shows where everything's set in like a town square and like there's the grocery and there's the restaurant and there's the doctor and the church and like everyone like lives in this small radius I think we were built for that I know right I think right now like it's just it's like there's no context there's no end to our our sphere of influence there's no end to our relational connectivity I mean we're supposed to keep up with our friends you know all over the world because we have Facebook and we're watching their kids grow up. But there, so I think we're just literally cluttered. I think our minds are just constantly um, stressed out. So I think the more, um, what I hope and what I hope if gathering causes to happen is a, that shrinking of the world. I really believe that if you've got your few people that you're investing in, you've got your few people that are investing in you and your, your small group and a healthy church and, and you, your mission is clear, but it's in front of your face. It's down your driveway. It's across the street. If you can, if you can kind of re. Gain back control of your life and remember, like, this is the most important work. Like, you're not, mm-hmm. you don't have to reach the whole wide world. <laughs> this is the most important work. What's right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and, and if we each did that, you know, I think that's how the world changes. Mm-hmm. So I think really helping women believe that again and and, mm-hmm. and not continuing to add to that burden is, is yeah. the hope.
0: That's so good, Jenny. Thanks so much for being on the show again. Uh, Ifgathering. dot com is that the if, if Gathering website? Yes, that's
1: a good place. Ifgathering.com.
0: will give you a dot com. Yes, and then also Jenny Allen. That's a l l e n. dot com for information on Jenny. I would seriously encourage my audience to check out the If Gathering to, to see. Not if, but <laughs> when the, <laughs> if. the, the next uh, if gathering thing is happening in your city. So thanks so much, Jenny, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks,
1: Preston.